1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and the expert on all matters real estate is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Asif, here we are approaching the end of April. The weather is finally making a change to spring. Does that mean that more people are on the market and looking for homes? Traditionally, it would, right? Traditionally, this is the time that... The activity peaks in the marketplace. So April, May, June. Now we, the spring market usually starts at the end of March. We our spring market started probably first week of April or so. We just didn't have spring. So <laughs> now that the weather's better, now you're starting to see activity out there. You're starting to see uh, more buyers out there. You're starting to see houses sell in shorter periods of time. So the activity is peaking, and the weather plays such a huge role. It's such it's a psychological advantage for sellers, and also buyers are more apt to be out there on the weekends shopping, and they're getting excited because they want to move when school ends. And now you're getting into that 60-day period where you're going to see a lot more activity, and it's going to be heated, and you're going to start to see a lot of people get on the market right now because they want to capitalize on how many buyers are out there. So let's talk about some of that activity. As um, a seller, what am I doing right now at the end of April? How am I approaching the selling of my property, my home? Well, hopefully you've decluttered and you're having all the final touches put on your house, like painting, freshening up, cleaning up your yard, making sure you've got flowers planted, because the you know the first 30 seconds or so of people in, coming up your driveway is going to determine whether they want to go through your house or not. So if your yard's a mess, if you've got garbage all around, if you haven't done your spring cleanup, this is the time where you should be out there getting your, your outside ready for people to want to come into your house. So should I be spending money then on staging my home um, on the outside as well? So I've got to get a landscaper in, I've got to get someone in to you know, paint and help me declutter. How does all of that work as a seller? A good realtor that works with a stager will give you pointers on on what you need to do. You don't need to go out and spend a lot of money on landscaping. You just need to clean up and and have some flowers or or even you know just hanging baskets outside just just to get people excited when they drive up. Curb appeal is a huge factor in whether people want to see the rest of the home or not. Okay, so now let's take the role of the buyer out there. What kind of activity is going on for them? Buyers have been out for a couple of weeks now. As soon as the weather started to change, we started to see buyers come out. And that's very typical for this type of time, uh, this type of time in the year. And what you want is as a buyer, you're evaluating all the homes you go to and you're, you're looking at, you know, neighborhoods and how your neighbors have their yards cleaned up because that's going to determine who you're living beside. So they're actually going out and they're, they're not only looking at your property, they're scoping out the neighborhood. So Hopefully you don't have neighbors that are going to hurt the sale of your home. And uh, as people are out there and and gardening and getting everything ready, that's going to encourage more activity. Are there areas in the home that buyers are looking specifically for right now? Is it the backyard pool? Is it an entertainment unit? Is it that fabulous kitchen? What is it? Pools usually don't heat up, uh, or, or the market for houses with pools doesn't usually heat up until about the end of June, beginning of July, when the weather turns and people are out there enjoying it. So 
you know, pools are good to sell spring, summertime. Uh, I wouldn't, I mean, it's not a good time to sell a pool when the snow is just starting to fall in October or, or even early April this uh-huh. year. But um, you're, you're going to start to see people looking more towards backyard entertaining spaces. So, you know, do you have a gazebo set up? Do you have lawn furniture? How does it look and how does it entice people to that like that lifestyle to to want to invest in your property? And also interior, you've got bathrooms and kitchens that uh, are the focal points when people walk through your house because those are the things that they're going to want to uh, have ready when they move in and move in condition. You've also got other things like windows and roofs. As the snow melts and as people are able to see it more, you want to make sure that the you know the window panes are painted and uh, or you know have uh, the shingles changed if any have flew off over the last uh, couple of storms so you want to make sure that your house is in good condition maintenance wise so in terms of you know those big expenses the roof the windows the furnace that's got to be part of the package right because it's going to come off the list price if it isn't um ready to go and ready to move in for sure and Again, we've talked about it on this show before, but make sure if you are changing your furnace or your windows or your air conditioning that they're not leased because that's also going to come off of your price. So Mm -hmm. just, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that are going out and saying, you know, we can get you a new furnace for $100 a month and people will take that. But the penalties are huge when when you're trying to get out of that contract. So it could cost you double or triple the price of a furnace when you sell your home if you have it leased. So it's better to, you know, invest or take some money out of your line of credit, put it on your credit card, but it's a lot uh, better when you're selling your home to own the appliances that you're selling. We also hear from our listeners that, you know what, I'm not going to prep my home for sale. I'm not going to change my kitchen. I'm not going to change and update the bathroom because people are just going to come in and they're going to gut it to their own liking anyway. What do you say to those listeners? That is so 2017. (laughs) You're going to need to change a lot of stuff in your home because there's competition and you're up against your neighbor's house. You're up against the the home that's two streets down. Whereas in 2017, you were the only game in town and you didn't care if you did anything or not. Buyers didn't care because they just wanted to purchase your home. But in this market, you need to get it staged. You need to have it looking. You want to be the first off the bus. So you want to position yourself to make sure that you are getting off that bus first because there's a lot of people on that bus right now. And it's very different, as you said, um, from 2017. It is. Uh, It was a totally different market. And there's a lot of realtors out there that haven't had the experience of a market like this. This is more of a 2008-2009 mindset where there's a lot of inventory. You need a realtor that's going to be active and working for you rather than just putting up a sign and hoping someone else comes in and gets you an offer. And finding that realtor that works for you. Now, not all of us can get you, Asif. So how do I find the realtor that that works for me, you know, that I feel comfortable with? How do I how do I navigate that part of this? We have a list of questions that, you know, we want answered uh, from not only our realtors at our brokerage, but we want other people to ask those questions because that'll determine if you've selected the right realtor. So, you know, call me or email me and I'll send you that list that you should be asking other realtors interview questions because that's what you're doing. You're you're interviewing realtors. And when you have someone that checks all those boxes off, that's when you know it's the right realtor. Okay, great. When we come back, if you purchased a pre-build condo, the HST issues, which you may not have realized, stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. 
Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Thrilled to welcome back one of our regulars, a lawyer with almost 20 years of experience focused exclusively in, on real estate law, Marco Polsonelli. Marco, welcome. Thank you both. Welcome back to the show, Marco. Thanks. Marco, we've we've heard so many stories about assignments lately, and one of the issues that people don't realize is the HST factor when it comes to purchasing an assignment. And we're hoping you can give us uh, some legal background on how that affects buyers and, and what they should be prepared for. Absolutely. I uh, first off, I would say that you're you're right. There's clearly some renewed interest in assignments of uh, new build contracts, and so just to kind of explain what that is for everybody, um, assignments are situations where somebody is already contracted um, to purchase. Uh, piece of land, or in this case, typically a condo or a a new build house, and uh, they want to sell that contract to somebody else. So that's what an assignment is. They're basically allowing somebody else to step into their shoes as buyer of that uh, property. So you're absolutely right. One of the um, considerations, and not to scare people off, but one of the things that they should be aware of is how HST works uh, on new builds. So uh, so really, the, the one thing to really consider with HST is um, there's really a complicated way in which HST works on any new build, whether it's a condo unit or a freehold. And that's because most builders um, have uh, clauses in their contracts that basically say that they will pay any HST liability so that the purchaser is not required to pay it, uh, provided the um, that the purchaser is able to claim the HST rebate from the government. And so that's a kind of a complicated way of saying that um, you need to be able to qualify for the HST rebate in order for you not to be charged the HST rebate amount on top of your closing price. And most people really just don't understand how that works. But why don't I give you an example? Um, uh, you would only be eligible to claim the HST rebate if you are uh, an owner-occupier of the dwelling. So if your intent is to actually live in the dwelling yourself, then you are eligible for the rebate. And the rebate usually is in the amount of about $24,000. And so it's, it's quite considerable. Um, so really the implication of not being eligible for the HST rebate because, say, for example, you're buying a condo unit and you're an investor and you're looking to rent it out, is that you will be charged that HST rebate as an additional cost on closing. Wow. Does the average purchase... Yeah, that's a big surprise. I'm not sure that the average um, purchaser is is aware of that. Because I think a lot of folks these days are buying that investment property, that condo, um, maybe, uh, you know, for their kids or, you know, maybe something that they're going to use down the road. I don't think that they're thinking about the fact that there's this HST issue and rebate that comes into play. And that's a lot of money. You're absolutely right. It is a lot of money. And you unfortunately are right that a lot of people are not aware of it. Um, there's a simple way to avoid that. And that is to get your uh, new 
build agreement, either condo or freehold, reviewed by a lawyer um, right at the outset. And so um, quite often there is a 10-day rescission period or a period of time where you have an opportunity to kind of reflect on the agreement before you sign it all. And what I'd strongly recommend, not just because I'm a lawyer, but because it's, it makes good sense, is that you have it reviewed by a lawyer. So at, the, at a minimum, they bring to your attention uh, these types of clauses so that you're, you're understanding what the implications are. Um, there's also other good reasons to have a new build agreement uh, reviewed by a lawyer. You might, the lawyer might be able to get certain closing costs, development charges, and those things capped so that they don't exceed a certain amount. Because in addition to the HST issue, you don't want to be uh, hit with additional costs that you weren't anticipating. So that's always good advice. But just to go back to kind of our scenario, and I'll, uh, I'll get to assignments in a, in a little bit, because this is all relevant to the assignment, um, is that um, the HST eligibility, uh, you talked about a scenario where uh, maybe you're buying a uh, condo for your kids. Well, that actually could be helpful because that's not considered a strict investment situation, and there is an exception for the eligibility for HST rebate um, where the property is being purchased for your children. Um, but for anybody else, uh, basically, if it's an investment property, um, the, the important thing to know is that you may well be hit with HST liability, at least with respect to the amount of the HST rebate, which again is about $24,000 typically on most transactions. So I guess the easy way to look at it is it's an end-user tax. So if you're the end-user, you don't get hit with the tax, but if someone else is going to be living in that property, then you're going to get hit with the tax. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, uh, people that deal with HST all the time, this this makes total sense. But but for most people uh, who are not dealing with HST, particularly on big uh, ticket items like this, um, it, it can come as a big surprise. And just as a you know, an aside here, Asif, because you, uh, your point is well taken. Um, for resale homes, of course, there is no HST issue because that is an exception under the Act, and therefore you don't have to worry about this issue at all with resale homes. There's no HST and there's no HST rebate. So really we're just talking about new builds, whether they're condos or freehold. And again, most people are are going to have an agreement in their buried in their contract with the builder that basically says that, don't worry, you don't have to pay HST provided um, the property is intended as owner-occupied. So we're just talking about the scenario where it's not, and that can create that um, that situation. So at what point, um, then, is the owner hit with that HST? Because, you know, often you find in these new um, uh, build condos that you have occupancy, but the condo has not closed and so you're able yeah. to either move in or you're you're able to rent the condo. But at what stage then does that HST issue come up? That's a great question. So uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, in a condo, you, there's a two-stage closing process, and the first uh, typically, and the first closing is called an occupancy closing, and that's where you get possession of the unit um, because your unit is ready. It doesn't mean that the rest of the condo is ready. It means your unit is ready. Um, for occupancy. And then there is a final closing, which is kind of the second closing. And that's where you would have to deal with the issue around HST if there is any. So it will come up on a condo scenario on the final closing. In a freehold scenario where you don't have two closings, then it would come up on the final closing. And what options do do people have then? You know, like you're you're not prepared for it. It's not something that you dealt with when you signed on the dotted line originally. This was many years ago. Now what? There is no way around this, is there? 
Unfortunately, no. There is no way around it. And builders um, have taken a pretty hard line on this if they're at all concerned about the intent of the buyer uh, at closing they will disentitle them or they won't allow them to uh, to claim the rebate and therefore they will charge that additional amount typically the 24,000 now it's important to know that there is a program that uh, CRA has where you can claim if you are renting a long-term rental so uh, I believe CRA takes a position that it's got to be a one year or longer lease term that you can claim some or all of that rebate amount back after your closing you pay it on closing, and then if you satisfy the eligibility requirements for that program, you can submit a, an application to CRA. But again, that's something that would occur after closing. You do have to come up with it on closing, um, which it, frankly can be a problem for people that um, that might be already tight, a little bit tight on closing funds, and if their financing didn't uh, already kind of consider that additional cost, it can be a problem. But um, but there is the option of, and many people do, if it was a long-term contract situation with a lease, they will uh, make that application to CRA after. And I've heard it typically, um, those applications are usually dealt with uh, within about six months after closing. And the CRA is getting really smart because back in the day, people would just change their driver's license to the new condo and say that they're the end user. But there's a lot of different things that the CRA is looking for now, you know, including address on tax returns and things like that to match up to make sure that they're not uh, losing out on HST. I've heard lots of um, interesting stories about uh, CRA's new approach on this, and um, and you know, it, it's I've heard stories about them actually auditing particular buildings and and uh, going door to door and finding out who's living in units. So it really doesn't pay. To uh, to do anything other than just be honest about it, you know that's usually a, a you know a good uh, a good way of, of living your life, which is just being transparent and honest about things. You don't want something like that hanging over your head. And clearly, you have to make a statement with your lawyer on closing that says that uh, you know you you your intent is and and was to uh, to live in the unit. So I have uh, one more question, and this is more from uh, the assignment perspective. Again, if I'm representing a buyer and I put in HST is included in the purchase price, and it turns out that because I'm purchasing an assignment property and I'm not the original end user, so my buyer would be liable to pay HST, correct? So, yeah, so going back to your original, original question, and that's why, sorry, it took us a a while getting here, but it's kind of important to understand why HST is an issue in the first place. But you're absolutely right. This is an area where you just have to be really careful on an assignment. So, again, talking about a situation where you're buying a contract that somebody's already uh, agreed to. And so um, in these cases, I would, again, um, recommend you have a lawyer review the assignment agreement because you want to make sure that – you're not going to get some unexpected HST liability or, or at least the uh, being charged with the $24,000 rebate amount um, because there's some question about whether the if the original buyer was exempt um, from paying that, that additional amount, uh, as, as the new party, the assignee, the new party that's buying the contract, there's... Um, there's a question about their eligibility for HST. And I know some builders have taken the position that both have to be eligible in order for them not to charge the additional amounts. But again, you can kind of deal with that uh, in the assignment agreement as part of the consent that you're going to be getting from the builder. 
But again, the best thing to do, and you know, we're obviously talking about things that are a little complicated, is to have a lawyer review all that before you uh, enter into the contract. That's HST terrific. is usually payable, though, even even in the best case scenario, on the assignment amount, which is the difference between the original purchase price and the um, the assigned purchase price, which sometimes there is a difference because somebody might have bought a couple years ago and they're now paying at a higher amount. HST is almost always payable on that amount, so you have to be careful about that as well. I think so just for, a, lot of, a lot of potential pitfalls here, but again, nothing that you can't overcome with, uh, with good advice. And I think the underlying advice here is when you're dealing with an assignment, make sure you have a clause that allows you time for your lawyer to review it. You got it. Marco, thank you once again for walking us through uh, a complicated process and making it easier for our listeners to uh, understand. Thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. Take care. If you have more legal real estate questions, you can contact Marco Paulsonelli directly at marco at yorkregionlawyer.ca or visit his website at yorkregionlawyer.ca. When we come back, we get to your real estate questions. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com and click on On the Market. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions. Asif, you ready? Always. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the first question comes from Lydia in Richmond Hill. She purchased a pre-construction home, and they keep extending the closing. She says she missed the peak last year and is concerned that she may have a tough time selling her current home when her new place is finally ready. What advice do you have for her? Great question, Lydia. And, and the first thing that we would need to know is when the tentative occupancy date for your new purchase is and how much lead time we have. It's taken a lot longer this year to sell than it was last year. And by peak, I mean, market value really hasn't changed that much. It's, you know, the multiple offers were creating the perception that there was a peak, but market values really hasn't changed. So you'll be fine selling it. It's going to take you a little bit longer to sell. So there should be some lead time to get your house on the market and sold prior to it. And I would suggest putting in a clause that allows you the flexibility to extend the closing date. So suppose there's another extension from the builder for another 30 days or 60 days. As long as you have a clause in your agreement that's built in that you can trigger maybe 30 days before, and that way you have peace of mind that you can extend it rather than having to look for a short-term rental. And we can help you with that. We would need to know what your... Uh, occupancy date that they've given you is and how we can structure a deal for you to make sure that you're protected in, in case that there is another extension. And adding that clause at this stage of the game is still a possibility? So that clause is going into the sale of the property. Okay. And so once Lydia's home goes on the market and we have an offer come in, we can add it at that time to protect her. And we can also have it so that she can move it up. So if the home is ready earlier, we can also move that up by 15 days or 30 days. So it allows her the flexibility to be able to do that. And also with the buyers, it will give them 30 days or 60 days notice so that they can plan for their move in as well. 
Now, you're not usually a fan of rentals, but you're saying in this situation, a short-term rental might be an option for her. If there's no clause, then she doesn't really have an option. Short-term rentals are very, very hard to get. So there's not a lot of people that will rent their properties out for less than a year. And if they are, you're going to have to pay a premium. So it's better to get that clause in there, protect yourself in case there's another delay, and, and we'll deal with it that way rather than have to look for a short-term rental, which are few and far between and will cost you a premium. Gosh, so many different scenarios you have to consider. Lots of variables for sure. Yeah. Okay, our next question comes from Joe in Vaughan. He too purchased a pre-construction condo and finally was able to occupy earlier this year. The issue that, um, that he has is that the building or the purchase is not closed and he has provided a series of checks to the builder. He wants to know how long could this go on and why do builders do this? Obviously, he's not paying condo fees at this point though. So in a condo building, Joe... Units are ready at different times, and, and there's a certain percentage that needs to be occupied before the building can close. Once it closes, then the maintenance fees will kick in, and and the mortgage will be issued on the property. So right now, what you're paying, is it's almost like a rental, that you're paying the builder to cover all of their costs and everything. And and this is very typical. It's 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 a standard process, and as units are ready people will occupy them and when there's a, a the magic percentage is fulfilled if it's 80% or 87% whatever it is for that building for that building to get their uh the closing ready that's when your mortgage will kick in and your maintenance payments and after that you'll be returned all the checks that you've given to the builder if they haven't been used so this could go on for quite some time. The, the builder really doesn't have any kind of rules of the game here. They could say, yeah, we're going to keep this going for a year. Is that possible? It could. Be. It depends on the size of the building. I mean, if it's a low-rise building, it's not going to be a year. It'll be a shorter time. But if it's a 90-story a building or a 50-story building, you're going to have it, – it's going to take a lot longer to – have that percentage occupied. Okay. Um, just before we go, Asif, we're going to bring in Heather Cooper, also from Remax Prime Properties, for our hot listing of the week. Heather, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Tina. What can you tell us about the hot listing of the week? All right. This week, we have a gorgeous, meticulously updated four plus one bedroom, four bathroom home situated on prestigious Church Street in Markham. Um, this home features a gourmet chef's kitchen, wide plank hardwood floors, quartz countertops, smooth ceilings, crown moldings, a professionally finished basement, and best of all, it's got a gorgeous cedar plank deck surrounding uh, in-ground pool in the backyard as well. Oh, sounds magical. It <laughs> is, yes. Sounds really great. Tell us once again where it's located. So the address is 133 Church Street. And that is a Markham. That is at Highway 7 and Wooten Way. Okay, and if our listeners want more information? Okay, they can contact uh, Susan Taylor, and she can be reached at 905 554 5522. Terrific. Thank you for joining us, Heather. Thanks. Asif, we're out of time. Great advice as usual. We'll catch up again next week. Thank you, Tina. Remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.